The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Amen. Praise God. And welcome again to church. Um, on behalf of Pastor and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have the opportunity to welcome our guest speaker to introduce him to us. I'm not sure what kind of introduction that is because he's not a new face at all to God's favorite house. As a matter of fact, in the second worship experience, which was the first worship experience today, he described himself as a follower. He is a full-fledged member of God's favorite house, even though he is the pastor of Redeemed Christian Church of God, Mercy Place. I'm bringing on to stage, introducing with a GFH welcome, Pastor Cheye Kosoko. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. that none of us should boast. Lord, we pray today that, Lord, you will help us to live for you. That, Lord, when our time comes and we shall live, we will be remembered for you and by your grace. Eternal Rock of Ages, as we go into your world, speak into our hearts. Let our hearts be fertile, so let us all together lift up Jesus and as we do so, the Lord draws unto himself. The Lord will think of eternity and live daily for eternity. 
Help us, Almighty God, by your grace. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. It's once again my pleasure and my privilege to be here in God's favorite house and to be bringing the word of God. It's not something that I take lightly. And of course, we are warmest and the highest regards to Pastor Femi and Pastor Dami. They are my people, like I said, I am an integral member of God's favorite house. <laughs> so it's always good to be home and to be in the midst of God's people, the people that are most favored by the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> this second service, I want to speak to us on a message titled, What Will You Be Remembered For? What will you be remembered for? It's a message that is a call to all of us to step back and pause and take a moment to reflect. To reflect on how we live, how we are living, and where we are going. When a time shall come when us is written for all men will go the way of all flesh. The message was inspired by a post by Nathaniel Bassi on the passing of Billy Graham. And when I read that post, I sat back and I thought long and hard and I reflected and I said, hmm, there's cause <laughs> for one to take heed. And that was when he died. And then on Fridays, stroke um, Saturday morning, I watched his home going. And it was amazing. An ordinary man was given a state burial, as it were. And I watched the whole, whole state paraphernalia, taking step and carrying his remains and everything. And how everybody spoke in one vein concerning him. And I sat back and I said, <laughs> hmm. when my time shall come, when your time shall come, what shall we be remembered for? It's important because we must understand that there is eternity. And the life we live here on earth is a preparation for eternity. And therefore, we ought, ought, we ought to live with eternity in mind and not as people who do not see anything beyond life on earth. We ought to live not like people who will live and finish everything here on earth, but like people who have a destination, people who are going on a journey. We ought to consider what shall we be remembered for when we pass. We're looking at three texts. The first is Luke 12, verse 15. Shall we project Luke 12, verse 15? 
And then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And then 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. So, Luke 12, 15. Then he said, Beware, God against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Our second text is 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Can you give us also in the King James? It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves out that Jesus Christ in you except you be reprobates. It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. In other words, to examine yourself and to prove your own, it's not about you and any other person, it's yourself. So you're not to compare with anybody. There's only one standard of measurement, Jesus. You know, you and I, I want to compare ourselves with one another. And the Bible says those who compare themselves to themselves are not wise. Here we see an admonition that examine yourself whether you're still in the faith. In the New Living Translation, whether your faith is genuine and prove your own selves. In other words, this race is personal. It's not about any other person. It's not about how any other person is running. Although we're all working together at the point, and like it's as well, we're all in the same bus, but we have different destinations. So the route for each person and the journey and the path for each person is different. And therefore, you'll be making a mistake if you were looking at another person. I remember one exam that I took once. Apparently, each paper, everybody's own was different. And so, like we normally do, you know, you like to dub each other. And so, you just call somebody, you just, those things, you know, hey, my five, hey, <laughs> well, your own five is different. It was the same questions, but they juggled around and everything. So, <laughs> the less you say, uh, all of those of us who copy, everybody failed. <laughs> but for the mercy of God, that's why the grace of God is so good. <laughs> It was later they told us, you know, it was these Americans. It was all, all this, like, I have to do tests. So we went through. And, you know, you thought that, ah, don't worry. <laughs> they told us that each paper for each person. <laughs> Today, when I look at it, it truly is the story of life. And our work with Christ. Each person is different. We are different levels and are different things. Even though we are on the same road, what is required and what will be required is different. Remember the parable of the talents. God gave to each person according to his own ability. So it will be wrong of us. But why is important this text is that it says, examine yourselves whether you're still in the faith. The reason is that it's only when we are alive that we can make amends. The Bible says that whatever man wants to die and after that judgment. That is, it ends there. Our third text is 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. 
And that is very crucial. He says, now thanks, we're going to 14 and 15. He says, now thanks be unto God, which always caused us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Verse 15. For we are to God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. And I'm, I don't want to take the remainder of that, you know. But what I want to bring out of this is give us please in the New Living Translation. 14 and 15. He says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Verse 15. Our lives are what? A Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. He then went on to talk about the fact that to those who are also in Christ is a sweet-smelling savor. But those who are not is like the smell of death. But what is important there is that it says our lives are Christ-like and is bringing forth a sweet fragrance. And so, we now come to our reflection of ourselves taking a cue from the life of Billy Graham. Billy Graham was perhaps the greatest evangelist and preacher of the 20th century and even in this, up to this early 21st century. He was very influential. He knew and he met with every head of state, every president of the United States throughout his life. And he met with different people, every major head of state. He was one of the, was the first person that was allowed to preach in North Korea, even during the lifetime of the father of the current um, Kim Il-jong. In all the places, even in Russia, he was allowed to preach and everything. And all this man did was he preached a simple message of Jesus Christ. And so when he died and people began to talk, both, and that's the first thing I want us to note, both those who are Christians and those who are not, in the secular world, everyone spoke glowingly about the man and about the Christ that he served. Everyone that talked, even until his last week, everybody that spoke, spoke about the man, his faith, and the Jesus that he preached. The thing that is so instructive is that even those who are not of the faith all acknowledged that this man was a Christian. And so the question and the challenge for you and I is, can people say of you and I that we are Christians? You know, the irony is, is the world that knows how to measure this thing well. They will tell you, say that one, I beg, forget them. The Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch because of the way they lived. In other words, their lives brought forth a sweet-smelling fragrance. And people could say, these ones have been with Christ. What is the relevance of that to you and I today is this? 
what will people say of you and I today? Do you and I bring forth the sweet smelling fragrance of Christ? Can people by watching my life and your life say this one is a true Christian? And that is the challenge. That's why the Bible says, examine yourself. So you and I today, having the benefit of this man who has gone, who has given and laid and left behind such a great testimony, affords you and I an opportunity to pause and to say, wait a minute, is my faith still genuine? Am I still in the faith or am I veering off course? You see, the truth is the reality of everyday life is that it's so easy. To go off course without realizing it. In the course of everyday life, in everyday challenges, little by little. And that's why it's always important that we heed the word, the admonition in that text. Examine yourselves. So you and I should make it a duty of examining ourselves regularly and frequently. And not by each other. Because you prove your own selves. No, it's not about any other person. It's about am I walking as I ought to walk? Our fourth text talked about the fact that a man's life does not consist of what he owns. And that leads me to the second point about this. Everybody that talked about this man, I want you to note what they did not talk, remember him for. They did not talk about his wealth. They did not remember him for his wealth, for his fame, for his mansions, for his jets, for his miracles, for his signs and wonders, for his influence, for his contacts, for how he managed things, and whether he succeeded in a manner that the world counts success. No. They did not remember him because of any of those. A man's, the worth of a man's life does not consist in the things that he owns. So that so many of us today in Christ, the pursuit and the goal of our lives is about wealth for its sake. It's about money and things all for his sake. Yeah, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. These are the things that the Gentiles seek after. So today, you and I unwittingly have been sucked into the rat race of life on earth. Yet it ought not to be so. So many of us are using Christ. And in Christ, it's about the problem and the blessings that come from that. Are those the plan of God for our lives? Of course, yes. But are they meant to be the consuming passion of our lives? Are they meant to be the driving force of our faith? No. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, if we think that life, this life in Christ, is all about life on earth, he says we are all men most miserable. And you think about it. The son of God will leave heaven and come down to earth as an ordinary mortal just for the sake of what the devil can give. There's got to be more. My life and your life ought to count for more than just for people to talk about what we have, what we possess, the blessings and what our achievements are and everything as the world will regard success. 
note the things he was not remembered for. It did, did not define his remembrance by the things that he possessed. It wasn't about his mansions. It wasn't about PhD. It wasn't about it was about the fact that this man preached Jesus and lived for the Jesus that he preached. Are you and I living for Jesus? Are you and I living the Jesus that we are preaching? Which leads me to a story that I read about one small boy that went on more money came from school and started looking through the Bible and started looking everywhere. Then by the next morning, his mom was getting him ready to go to school and because she was going to go to work. And the boy was still busy reading and everything. He said, what is it that you are looking for? And he said, mommy, are there two Jesuses? And the mom asked, what do you mean by that? He said, because our new teacher talked about Jesus yesterday and he was and said, what do you mean? Don't teach. Let's go to your school. So they went to the school. And she went and reported to the principal, the headmaster, in a half and everything. What are you people teaching? What are they teaching and everything? And of course, they called the teacher in and everything. How do you talk to me about two Jesuses and everything? Like that? I said, no, I didn't teach about two Jesuses. I just talked to them about Jesus. And we just looked uh, from the Bible and everything like that. So, that's the boy. So, your teacher didn't tell you, what do you mean? He said, yes, because our teacher told us about how a child of Jesus is. That a child of Jesus is kind, he's not quiet, he's just always doing, doing all of these things. My mom always says she's a child of Jesus, but she quarrels every time with my dad, she does this. And you can laugh, I can laugh. But it's the story of my life and your life. The hypocrisy of our profession of faith. People are looking to you and you and I are the Bibles that a lot of people will read. And the fragrance that you and I bring forth will determine whether people will be drawn to Christ or be repelled. So many of us in our workplace we don't have a good testimony as Christians. In our business dealings, in our lives and everything, we don't have that. When we go, what we will be remembered for? He says, I preach Christ in our lives. That's what Paul was saying in that text that we read. We bring forth a sweet-smelling fragrance, a sweet-smelling perfume which attracts people who want to be a part of They want to have something like that. Are you and I true ambassadors for Christ? Remember, the Bible says we are to be ambassadors for Christ. Billy Graham was a true ambassador for Christ. He was a man that lived what Paul And so, his passing and his testimony affords you and I an opportunity to step back and say, ah, hmm. there's a day that's coming. I too will go the way of all flesh. What will I be remembered for? What 
Will you be remembered? Will it be your achievements? Your wealth, the number of houses and everything. The miracles, signs and wonders. You know, so many people are looking for so many things today. And in the process, we have forgotten the giver of the gifts. We have elevated the gifts beyond the giver. Yet, he who gives can take. And it is only when you have he who gives, you possess all, all that he has. Do you see the foolishness and the mistake that we're making? We are busy looking and forgetting ourselves about the gifts, leaving the giver. The giver is capable of so much more than we can imagine or fathom. May the Lord give us the grace to reorder our priorities in the name of Jesus. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 talks about how our lives ought to be. It says, let the rich man not glory in his riches. Let the mighty man not glory in his might. Says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. That's loving kindness. And who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. Say, these things I delight. I, the Lord, have spoken. God is challenging you and I that we need to realign what delights us. To come in alignment with the things that delight God. He says, so many of us, if they tell some of us today, today, that the man sitting next to you has been made a minister, what goes through your mind? Be truthful. <laughs> Our time has come. <laughs> Don't worry. We are all there. As I preach it to you, I preach it to myself. Because it, we are all there. And unless we check ourselves from time to time, what is the motive? What is driving that thing that you say you are doing for God? Are you doing it for the glory? Or are you doing it because you know that this is what God will have you to do? The number three that I want us to look at is the reason, the fact that this man was contented to serve God where he was at. When they asked him, he said, ah, God has told me to preach. and That's all I just do. I'm just a simple evangelist. I just preach the cross of Christ. Remember my life and your life preaches. And so the question for you and I is, what message or what gospel are we preaching? He says there are people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. He said there are some people who preach only for what is in it for them and thereby making the cross of Christ of no effect. The question for you and I today is what Christ am I preaching with my life? What Christ do I really know? Because for some of us, we really don't know Jesus. 
They made an altar call. We came and we're doing, and then we're coming to church. We're doing everything. And God is blessing us. And we think that is all it's all about. No. Brethren, there is a day of reckoning. There is eternity. There is going to be a day when the book is going to be opened. And God is not going to judge you by what he has for me. He will not judge me by what he has for you. It will be each person. That's why he says, prove your own self. So that when the race of life is over, on this side of eternity, what will you and I be remembered for? One of the scariest scriptures in the Bible is Matthew seven twenty one. Can we look at it together? Shall we read it together? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Verse 23. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from you who break God's law. Stop. Is it an ordinary baby Christian that will do the things that I talked about then? No. No, 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 no. It has to be somebody that is serious, somebody that is um, and that's what Jesus is telling us is that those things are not the end of this, my faith and your faith alone. So, so many today is about the power to do miracles, to do everything. You are running from pillar to post. You are in Christ Jesus. You are going from one prayer mountain to another. You go from this, you go from that. What is wrong with you? What are you looking for that is lost, that is not lost that you, you are looking for? As your How can you be in Christ and you don't have rest? There's something wrong. There's got to be something wrong. How can you profess Christ? There's no joy in your life. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Righteousness, joy, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. How do I do and I profess Christ and any of this is lacking? There's got to be something missing. And we can make amends. That's what this that's what the opportunity of examining ourselves. And so what we note from this is the fact that this man was content to serve God where he was at. So many of us, the gifts, the calling that God has given, we have not even exhausted them. We are envying what is in others. We want to be what everybody is doing. We want to do the, what is wrong with us. The Bible says in Psalm 139, before any part of us was formed, God spoke to our substance and he wrote in his book concerning every day of our lives. In other words, your race and my race are different. There is nothing that you achieve that takes away anything from what God So, if I know that, I will not have any hesitation to support you to achieve what you are meant to achieve. But when we begin to think as the world thinks, 
We think it's a competition. We are comparing ourselves with each other. Everybody now enters into the crowd mentality. You don't let the person go forward. And that is the tragedy of our body today, the body of Christ. There's so much division. Everybody thinks they own, and everybody tries to run. We try to compete. We think it's numbers. What is it? Do you think the devil is concerned whether you are a billion in a, in a place? If all the billion are going nowhere, he doesn't mind for you to gather forever. Is the what having eternity in view. Living every moment with eternity in view. Whenever we begin to consider about what legacy we will leave behind when we go, we will make adjustments where there is need for adjustment. There are those who are doing well. It's okay, keep going. There's more room. There are yet mountains to be conquered. Billy Graham lived and died for Christ. He was a simple man. He lived a simple life. For some of us, some of our men, before you can, you can't even pass entourage, everything. What is all of that? We're not to be like the world. We're to set an example to the world. Romans 12 verse 2 says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. I like it in the message version. It says don't easily adjust to the culture around you. It says that culture, it says don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Today in the church, so many, the standards of how the world is, we're actually trying to outdo the world. What a tragedy. We that have the precious Jewel and pearl. We are casting our pearls before swines, trying to be like the world. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. He says, instead, fix your attention on God, then you'll be changed from inside out. You will readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. I want us to read that. It says, unlike the culture around you, He's always doing what? dragging you down to his level of immaturity. So when you find yourself always breaking and trying to bring people down, you are in the world, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter what position you are. He says the culture around is always seeking to drag you down. But God, unlike that, brings what the best out of you and I. And it develops well-formed maturity. God is calling us to maturity. We cannot be babies forever. He says, I can't share hard meat with you. Because you are still drinking milk. When you ought to be teachers, you still need to be taught. The same way, this I'm telling you is the same in my life. When I review my, there's so much more that he can do. What will be your reaction to it? Because what will be the tragedy is to wait on that last day. When you and I can make amends now while we are here on earth. Jesus on that light will tell them, depart from me. Here on earth, those people who did that, we hail them. We say these are the generals for Christ. Do you know the difference? And that's what goes to the next thing. The motive 
the heart with which you do anything for long. God sent someone to go and appoint a king in the house of Jesse. Samuel was a prophet to the nation. It was God's judge and God's representative. But he was still a man and still thought as a man. And so they brought the people. He was looking at how the king that God had first chosen, Saul, was tall and some well built. And each one of them can say, ah, yes, this is, and God said, no, I rejected. Once God told him, Samuel, <laughs> you are looking at the outside. I, the Lord, I look on the heart. God is calling us to examine our hearts today. With what heart are you doing whatever you are doing for the Lord? With what motive are you serving this God that you profess to serve? Are you more interested in pointing people to God and giving glory to him or you are drawing the attention to yourself and touching the glory of God? Remember God is jealous. He will never share his glory. Say, my glory will I share with any other. So many of us today, preachers, it's more about ourselves and our and everything and the Jesus becomes relegated to the background. For you and I, every day, that each one of us here is a preacher. That's what he's talking about, the fragrance that we bring forth. And so, is it about myself is it about yourself or about the Jesus that you profess? Not everybody has the privilege of coming to the pulpit. But each one of us has been called to preach Christ. Which Christ are you preaching? Billy Graham preached just the simple message of Christ and the cross. Which Christ are you and I preaching? First Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. For Christ didn't send me to baptize but to preach the good news. But he was talking about that's where he was going to say. He says, and not with clever speech. The reason is that for me, the cross of Christ is more important. That is the message of Christianity. Because when I begin to replace the cross of Christ with what is convenient, with what people want to hear, in order to get grass and to everything, I make the cross of Christ to lose its power. I make the cross of Christ to lose its power. Verse 18. For Christ didn't send me. He says, but the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the simplicity of the cross, 
That's all. That's all. It's not complicated. Once an enemy is becoming too complicated and everything. But you see, you know you and I are man. When the diction is good, there's drama, there's... Ele- ah! Is that what Christ is about? No. It's about the cross. It's lifting you and I always to Jesus on the cross. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. My life and your life. My preaching and your preaching. My works and your works. Shall always lift people. Point people to Christ and to the cross. Because it cost God. It cost. The cross is what? And that's why W. Toza. And he was right. He says, today we preach a crossless Christianity. A convenient Christianity. Because we have all developed each years. We can no longer endure sound doctrine. Yet the Bible says, test every spirit. That's why I'm so glad for the, this house. I know this house is rooted on the sound foundation of the word of Christ. So if you like, you want to endure Christ, you want to go, you sincerely see Christ, you're rooted here. So many messages, when you hear, so, and that is what is the next thing I want to bring. You and I must become familiar with the word of God. Because everything is being said now in the name of Jesus. Everything is in the name of, unless you have test every spirit and know the right spirit, you'll be carried away with lying signs and wonders, with false teaching and error. Encapsulated with some words of scripture and clothed in elocution. Lovely language, flowery, chanting, the enticing words of man's wisdom. What will you be remembered for? The man exhibited Christ. Billy Graham exhibited Christ. He was Christ-like and he preached the simple message of Christ. What Christ do you and I preach? One thing that was attested to by everybody was about the character of Billy Graham. And that is what is the next one I want to. What is so crucial to Christ and his father, our God. Concerning my life and your life is that are we forming the character of Christ? Are we making progress to become like Christ? The reason I'm you see, <laughs> all of us, we are mad. There was a time when a couple got married in our church, we were still in the city of David there, as one of the ministers and everything. And I was traveling the next day. I don't know, it was on a Saturday, and I was traveling on Monday night. And of course, then some of the airline messed up my booking and everything, and they had to give me another seat. And of course, I performed. <laughs> you know where you perform? I was very angry, and I just was. 
talking all the grammar and everything. And, and then after I performed and expended my anger and everything, you know who were there? That couple, they were going on their honeymoon. And I realized that I had failed Christ. I didn't set a good example. There were the people that joined them. The Christ that I preached was not what I exhibited on Monday. Brethren, God wants us to be one. In and outside, that is singleness of character and singleness of purpose. I got angry. And you know what was the root of the anger? It was pride. Although sincerely I thought it was something else, but there was a root of pride in my heart. I felt this is what I deserved and I didn't get it. Yet, who gives? <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that every day we must never lose sight of that goal of becoming like Christ. We cannot do it in our strength. We cannot do it by our power. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, the work of grace will perfect his work in our lives. That we look to eternity and we have eternity in view. Contentment very important. We must learn contentment. He was content to be just what was. You and I are charged to preach the message of Christ and our lives must reflect that. Can you give us First Timothy 4, 1 to 5? The reason is that and which is the last point I'm going to, to look at and then we'll round up. Is that <laughs> the Yorubas have a proverb, be bere kolelere yo sheni shedo queen. So it's not about the beginning. It's about how we end. There are many people that started well, did great things, but along the line, they fell off. The reason was they were not examining themselves regularly. Because when you are drifting off, or you have even drifted off, when you examine yourself, you realize and you begin to come back with the grace of God. The prodigal son had drifted off. But the Bible said one day, he came to himself. That's what self-examination by the Spirit of God does. He always helps us to come to ourselves. So that we can do what cause correction when there is yet life. And so he said, now the Holy Spirit has died in the last times. So what did he say? Some will turn away from the true faith. They will do what? Follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Let's go to verse 2. He said, these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are what? They will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to be Italian, but God created those who to be. Let's go on, verse 4. Let's go on. Let's go on. Verse 5. 
For we know it is made accepted by the word of God and prayer. Go on. Says if we explain these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be what? A worthy servant of Christ Jesus. One who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Verse 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wife tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. The other day, the people are talking about tithe and, and I just laugh. What do I want? What do I want with that? Say, don't get into silly arguments. When you get to read first Timothy 3, 9 to 11. It says, is there? Okay, let's give us. I don't know. Is it first Timothy or Titus? Titus. Titus. Three, nine to eleven. Shall we read it together? Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to laws. You know we have turned things into there is liberty in Christ Jesus. You thought something has worked for you. You want to force it on everybody. No, it doesn't have to be. It may have worked for a thing, but the critical thing is to be in tune with the Spirit of God. Because God is not about to do it the same way he's been doing things. He says, these things are useless and a waste of time. Verse 10. If people are causing division among you, give a first and second one. After that, having not, have nothing more to do with them. Verse 11. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. Yorubas have a proverb. He said, I like Proverbs a lot. <laughs> we come together to be wise, not to become foolish. In other words, I must be wise not to join in the foolishness of somebody that's talking nonsense. But for you to be able to do that, you have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, which means you spend time. To be able to test the spirit, <laughs> you have to know which spirit to test against. And so, which Christ are you and I preaching? And what will you and I be remembered for? First Timothy 4, 6 to 8. Sorry, first, this one, 4, 6 to 8, and then verse 10. And I'm closing now. Now, that's the last part. Verse 10. Verse 4, verse 10. See, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle for hope is in what? In the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Where is your hope? So many will put their hope in men of God and forget the God of man, God of the man. Where is your hope? Is it in your works? Is it in your achievements? You heard it? Don't boast in anything. <laughs> Because it's God's grace that works. He says, he it is that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so, but what I want us to look is what Paul said when he was going. He said, I have fought the good fight. There is therefore now laid for me crown. Why that is so important? And that's it. it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have what? Remained faithful.
people. So it is not about how we begin. It's about how we end. Verse 10. I want us to read it together. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. This Demas, and that's where I close. If you read other parts of the Bible, every day we say Demas alone is with me. Demas is a co-laborer with me. Everywhere was somebody that had done so much. But at some point in time, he got tired. He got derailed. How will you and I end? What will you and I be remembered for? Remember, it's not how we start. When in 1945, Billy Graham was started, there were three of them. In fact, it was like the least of the three. The two others were much, much eloquent. They filled everywhere. But go and check it. By the time it was 1950, one had become just a radio person. The other had forgotten and said, Jesus is no longer God. I'm talking about they all started together in 1945. By 1950, they had been blown away. Billy Graham lived till 2018. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. May the grace of God help us to finish well. And so as we close, I want you to bow your heads and to ask yourself, what am I preaching? What am I living? What drives, what is the motive for Christ? Am I faithful to the cross of Christ? Is it about me or about Jesus? Am I living only for life here on earth or am I living with eternity in view? Talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, ah, help me. I don't want to be too late. The grace to be able to open my eyes to see my heart. Reveal my heart to me. Reveal myself to me. Help me to know who I am. Correct me and lead me in the path that I shall go. Let's quickly take just this prayer point. Psalm 19. Psalm 19 verses 12 and 13. As we close. There are two categories. Those who have not given their life to Jesus. You have to give your life to Jesus. For those of us who already know Jesus, we still have this challenge of ensuring that our testimony is faithful and sure and will stand. How much more you that you are not giving your life to Jesus? So let's look at, let's rise to pray. He says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Verse 13. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt. And of an innocent of great sin. Give us the also Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 in the New Living Translation. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Shall we rise? Say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Shall we begin to pray? Lord, please. I don't want to have preached orders and become a castaway myself. I don't want to bring forth the fragrance of death when I ought to be bringing forth the fragrance of life in Christ. If there be any way in me that is wrong, Lord, help me. I don't know my heart. The heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. In any way that I'm deceived, Lord, reveal my true state to me. And then, Lord, release your grace unto me to make amendments. Help me, Lord. Point out anything that is in me that offends you. Give me the grace to make amends, Lord. Give me a omnipotent heart and give me a heart to yield to you. That life, my life may count for you on earth and when I'm gone, I will be remembered for you. Help me, O oh Lord. Talk to the Lord. with sincerity of heart and because we've asked in the name of Jesus that everything we've asked for God will grant in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God.